What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers. Today, I am joined by Johnny McGonigal. We will talk today about ESPN's FPI ranking. Pitt is the number nine team in the nation. We will talk about that, if Pitt merits that, and what that means for Pitt moving forward. We will also talk a little about this defensive line and the team overall. It's all coming up today on this episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast. Our Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, folks, welcome back, as always, to the Locked On Pit Podcast. As always, thank you for making the Locked On Pit Podcast your first listen every day. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, subscribe. Do all that great stuff listening to this. Make sure to leave a review. Do all that good stuff. Johnny McGonigal, though, here joining us today on this great Friday edition of the Locked On Podcast. Johnny, how are you doing today, man? Welcome into the show. I'm good, Nick. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. No problem. No problem. I know it's been a hectic few weeks here with spring ball and, and all of that going on and i mean how's the vibes going around right now at the pg and, and with how you're doing man hey man it's sunny out uh it's spring ball like you said uh wrapped up you know that spring game was glorious uh 10 to 7 and uh you're only taking an hour and 56 minutes so you can't really complain there uh but yeah man looking forward to you know hopefully this nice weather continues and obviously like you know plenty of storylines and stuff to continue covering throughout the off season but uh, yeah, looking forward to getting into the summer and uh, eventually August training camp. For sure, for sure, for sure. Pit program, it's not sleeping. Obviously, recruiting will pick up here soon and more and more coming through the program. Maybe even a few more sparks coming through. But I think the biggest thing that has come out today, you know, it's been a big week for Pit football even after the spring game. You had the back air brawl stuff last uh, last night. And then today we saw this ESPN thing. I mean, I didn't even expect to talk about this. FPI, and we knew Pitt Love was loved in the FPI last year by ESPN, but they were ranked number nine in the nation in the preseason FPI poll, which I just found crazy. And you see some of the teams they're up there with. I mean, they are surrounded by Auburn, uh, Texas. I mean, they're up there with Clemson and all those guys. You just don't see Pitt up there very often. It's kind of different seeing Pitt up there. I mean, it, it showcases something from last year, that's for sure. Yeah, and look, I mean, coming off the season that they did, I think they finished, what, 13th in the AP polls, their highest finish in uh, four decades, really, since I think 82. Uh, so you bring back a lot from that team. Uh, the big piece missing is uh, Kenny Pickett. But like you said, ESPN's FBI, their their metrics, they loved Pitt throughout the season last year. Even, I think it was before ACC play even started for Pitt, they were the, the favorite or at least one of the top favorites uh, in the conference to win it. And even at that point, a lot of people were like, is this real? Is this really going to happen? And sure enough, it did. Um, and so you bring back guys like Jordan Addison and a lot of the defensive line, like you said, we'll talk about uh, an entire senior offensive line and the add pieces cannot say Mumpfield at receiver and Shane Simon at linebacker. And obviously Keaton Slovis, we'll see what he ultimately brings a quarterback, assuming that he, you know, stays healthy and wins that job as expected. And so, uh, yeah, I, I really think what it comes down to next season for them is quarterback. And you know, they whoever it is has the pieces around them to uh, to do something special again. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to actually see them up there again, number nine overall. There have been 
I think the polls this year, at least the early, way too early polls, and this is kind of coming in now this week and over the past few weeks of where Pitt has been. They've been anywhere from unranked to now. I think this is the highest I've even ever seen them. I don't think I've seen them higher than nine, but I've seen them around that 15 to 25 mark a lot. And this is something Pitt, I don't think Pitt has started in the polls in nearly a decade at this point. I mean, that's something new for Pat Narduzzi and his staff coming into the season with real tangible expectations, they're gonna they probably are gonna have a number next to their name on that TV screen on the bottom bug when they go face West Virginia at home on that Thursday night, is likely gonna have a number next to it. So I guess first of all, where do you expect them to be end up being ranked? And second, I mean, how do you think this team is gonna handle those new adjustments and those new expectations they're gonna have on them? Yeah, look, I haven't done a deep dive into all the teams that could be ranked anywhere from, you know, 7, 8, 9 to 17, 18, 19. But uh, with that being said, I would I would expect this pit team to come in around the 15 to 20 mark. I think that's a, a fine spot to put them. I do think they deserve to be uh, in the top 25 in the preseason with all the polls and everything that's going to be going on, the AP, the, uh, the coaches and, and all that. Uh, you know, there will be some people that don't rank them uh, because they'll look at it and say, hey, Kenny Pickett's gone, you know, and, and they just don't look enough into this team. But I do think that they have enough returning production that, you know, I, I've said it all all throughout spring. Kenny Pickett was an 11 out of 10 last year. Keaton Slovis doesn't have to be an 11 out of 10 for this, you know, team to win nine games, potentially win 10 games. And so uh, I think that 15 to 20 range is a safe spot. And you talk about that expectation and, and coming into the season um, with a little bit of a, I don't know, a burden, a weight of, you know, living up to that. Um, I think, it, I think it's, you know, it's nice to have senior leaders. It's nice to have, even if Nick Patty isn't your starter, he's a guy, a lot of people respect and, and within the program, you've got a senior offensive line, you've got guys on the defensive line, you know, Deslin Alexander was a captain last year. You know, these guys have, obviously they won an ACC title last year, so they know how to handle pressure and, and handle the spotlight. And I think um, that'll just be a continuation of that. I think that's, it's just a, an understanding that they have within the program that, Hey, we've done this already. We, we know what it's like to deal with the pressure. I mean, think about it, like late October through, you know, November, all of those were pretty much must win games uh, for them to secure the coastal and get to Charlotte in the first place. And so I think this team um, veteran leadership wise is in a good spot. Yeah, I agree with that. Again, I'm not sure about the nine overall rank. I don't think I put them that high, but I do think that they at least deserve to be ranked. They have so much returning production, and that's the thing. I think a lot of people on the outside just look at it and say they're in the ACC, they're losing Kenny Pickett, and Pitt is not a blue blood, so they're not going to be ranked consistently high like, say, in Ohio State and Oklahoma. They're not going to be in that same conversation. So see them at number nine. I mean, ESPN, obviously, it's just a metric, but that is some real respect, I think, for the program that's built and the talent on the team that's coming back. And you look at the guys they've added. I think you point out Kanata Mumfield, um, Shane Simon, that Tyler Wiltz is going to come in and play the, the star for them a little bit. Uh, they're going to have guys that are going to step up into big roles. And as you said, the real question is going to be that quarterback spot. So I guess really to end this, because this is really the big discussion about the whole FPI spot is, do you have a read yet on Keaton Slovis and or Nick Patty and, and kind of where you see this going? Is this going to be, you know, a different style of offense? I think we saw a little bit of it in the spring game, but how different is this going to be? Is it going to be somewhat similar? 
obviously you don't get to see all practice and all that, but from the gleans you have, how different is this going to be? And what do you think of these two quarterbacks? Yeah, look, I mean, the way that I approached going into spring ball was I kind of figured that Pat Narduzzi is not going to give us much. Uh, he, he rarely gives us much on these kind of topics. And I'm like, you know, he, he's probably going to dance around this topic throughout uh, the 15 practices and when we're able to talk to him. And sure enough, he did that. He didn't declare a starter between Keaton Slovis and Nick Patty. Uh, but I entered spring camp thinking, all right, he, you know, Keaton Slovis was one of the top quarterbacks in the portal this offseason, if not the top quarterback. Uh, and he comes in here without, you know, Kenny Pickett's gone. It's kind of the assumption that he'll be the guy. And you, so he enters spring camp as a favorite. And, you know, whether it was a spring game or, you know, practices, you know, the, the limited, you know, stuff that we're able to see, uh, I haven't gotten any indication that anything's different, that, that he and, you know, leaves spring ball as, you know, shaky ground or anything. Uh, I think the spring game is a little difficult to really put too much stock in it. I mean, you look at the receivers and the, and the offensive linemen that Nick Patty had, uh, you know, he had Mumfield and Wayne and, uh, up front, he had Marcus Minor and Carter Warren, uh, the only two uh, returning starters, you know, full-time starters uh, that played in the game. The other three were out injured, uh, precautionary and otherwise. And so uh, the offensive line that Keaton Slovis had wasn't all that. Um, the weapons that he had wasn't all that. He had to tailor Frank Signetti's offense, you know, what he what was already in to what he had. And so I don't think it was necessarily um, conducive to showing what kind of quarterback Keaton Slovis is. And so I think you know, this uh, summer upcoming when, you know, these guys are running uh, seven on sevens uh, and really a little bit, you know, install here, install there by themselves without the coaching staff uh, ahead of August training camp will be big. And uh, just getting that familiarity with receivers, uh, you know, Keaton Slovis had Jordan Addison on the blue team, but we know that Jordan Addison didn't play. And so uh, I think once we see him, you know, uh, if we see him, you know, I, again, who knows what kind of availability we'll have uh, come August, but it seems like Keaton Slovis is the guy. And, and what's good is there's a good uh, comfort between Patty and Slovis and the rest of the quarterback room as well. Uh, you know, we were able to talk to them, you know, after the spring game and they said that, you know, it's been a, a fun environment, a friendly environment. And so it's not like uh, totally cutthroat. Uh, these guys have respect for each other and understand where they are in the program and where they are in the grand scheme of things, I think. Certainly is going to be something to watch. And I think Pitt fans certainly going to be watching that excited as the game against West Virginia shows up. But I do want to shift gears a little bit, move over to the other side of the ball, the defensive line. But first, let me let you guys know about Built Bar because, folks, Built Bar is the first protein bar to be covered in 100% real chocolate. But it, while it has the taste of a candy bar, also has all the benefits of a usual protein bar. That's right, it is covered in 100% real chocolate, but also has all the benefits of usual protein bar. It's low in calories, low in sugar, low in net carbs, high in protein. You also can try the protein-infused marshmallows, the Built Bar Puffs, the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. All you have to do is go to Built.com right now, get 15% off by using the promo code LOCKED15. Again, go to Built.com right now, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at Built.com. Com. And again, I did want to get over to the line here, so I want to talk about this because I, I don't know where to start with this unit because, I mean, really everyone but Keyshawn Camp is going to be back on this team, and you have Hobbaball, Nato, Deslin Alexander, John Morgan, Kalaja Kansi, Dayon Hayes, like they're all back. And then on the interior, you still have Danielson, Bentley, Green, but then you have the young guys like Elliot Donald, Nakai Johnson, uh, you have Bambrina, who's really showed out. I thought it looked good in the spring game. It looked good at the Peach Bowl. 
So let me start, I guess, at the defensive end position. So you have guys like Nakai Johnson there. You have guys like Bambrina. I think Bambrina is the most intriguing of all these guys that might be splitting into this group here. What in the world, how are they going to split up all this time? Because it is such a talented group. It has legit NFL players on both ends. And then you have guys like Bambrina, who he's a redshirt junior. He's not a young player really anymore. I mean, he's got to get playing time. How do you see them splintering this up? You know, if you're going to have uh, an issue, uh, first of all, it's a good problem to have that you're that deep uh, on the defensive line, that you have that much confidence in guys like that. And I don't think you'd, you'd want a coach uh, other than Charlie Partridge to be able to split up those reps. I mean, he, you know, e- even without like this, this ridiculous depth that they have, I mean, last year they were rotating guys in and uh, you could call really, you know, four or five guys, you know, on the, on the edge alone, like starters uh, in terms of, how many reps and how many snaps they'll play. And so, you know, at DN, I think it does start with Hoppe Baldonado, his decision to come back. Uh, you know, he could have been drafted. Uh, and obviously he has room to improve. And that's both personally, you know, his game, his stock. Uh, but after n- having nine sacks last season, uh, you know, he could have gone to the league and he, and he would, you know, would be drafted uh, in a few weeks here upcoming. But, you know, he, he felt that there were uh, a few sacks that he left out there on the tape. And I, I think that, you know, when you look, go back and look at it, it proves that uh, within a few inches of getting maybe five, six, or, um, you know, Narduzzi said maybe eight uh, sacks more last year. So, uh, you know, with him and then Deslin Alexander is obviously an experienced guy. John Morgan, I thought, you know, had a really good spring game. Again, for what that's worth, you, know, you have to consider uh, the guys that they're up, you know, up against on the other side of the ball. But, and then Dayon Hayes uh, has you know made a lot of strides this spring, and so I think those are really where you start. You know, at the end, I think it's those four guys. Uh, if any combination of those four, I think Haba, and then any combination of the other three, really uh, were the starters uh, against West Virginia, I would not be surprised. Uh, and then you look beyond that, and Nikai Johnson is a guy who, again, you you talk to Charlie Partridge, and it's been a, it's been a little bit since we talked to him, but uh, he was complimentary of him and Bam Brema playing both inside and out. I think there's a lot of guys that just, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of guys, you know, in the, even in the Rhode Island game, you know, say like there's going to be a lot of guys who end up making sacks and you're like, oh yeah, like that's a guy to keep an eye on for the future. And I think you have that on the interior as well. Uh, Sean Fitzsimmons, a kid who early enrolls uh, from Central Valley and, uh, and has really, you know, he talked to John Morgan earlier in camp and he was saying that he was one of the standouts among those younger guys. And so, but how much playing time is he going to get? Cause it's tough when you've got, Kalijah Kansi, who will be a preseason All-American, and Devin Danielson, Tyler Bentley, David Green, guys who have started so many games for this team already. And so when, when you look beyond the D-line and look at linebacker, and you know, there might be uh, you know, some, some hesitancies to, to be overly confident in that group after losing a handful of veterans, all you have to do is look ahead of them and say, hey, these guys are still going to get after the passer. They're going to create havoc in the backfield, whether that's TFL, sacks, pressures, hurries uh they're going to be getting after it and so i think you have to feel confident about that group really from top to bottom yeah such a talented group charlie partridge has built this thing from the ground up and they have been consistently in the top for sex disruption stuff any any type of stat you have that is in, in inclined on say tackles for loss pressures whatever they're in the top of it and it's been because of this ability to identify talent produce it and all of that and as you say that i also have to talk about one specific guy on that interior because there is a little bit of opening for some playing time on that interior line. Again, I think they have a good, solid interior line. But with no Keyshawn Camp, there could be someone to step into that vacuum. 
Could that guy be Elliot Donald? That's the question. Obviously, the nephew of Aaron Donald. But where is he standing at? What have you kind of heard about him? And what are they saying about Elliot Donald and him this spring? Yeah, again, it's it's uh, it's difficult when, you know, we, we talked to Charlie Parchers like a few weeks ago. And so I believe it was really in the middle of spring camp. And so, you know, guys take steps you know forward and backwards. So I don't want to say that he's uh, been, you know, absolutely killing it or, you know, the opposite. So uh, it's tough. But, you know, he is, uh, I think, at, at the stage where he's getting a better grasp of the system and, and on the mental side and uh, you know, he's still a young guy. And so you don't want to put too many expectations on him. I don't think uh, you know, coming in with a lot of hype and, and rightfully so he had a great career at Central Catholic and had, came in with all the pedigree that you would want from a star basis, you know, recruiting and all that kind of stuff Had the offers uh, that it was a big get for Pitt when he came. Uh, but I think it's nice that, you know, yes, he could certainly step up into a, a larger role uh, this upcoming season. Uh, but the, I don't think there's the pressure on him to do that, which I think is a, you know, again, it's a nice problem to have that it's like, oh crap, we, you know, it's not like, oh crap, we need this guy to be a starter for us right now. It's, hey, let's work him in, you know, if, and if he takes to it, great, let him run with it. Uh, and if he doesn't, then you, you pull back and, and you say, all right, this is what we need to work on, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think, you know, whether it's him, whether it's an Akai Johnson off the edge, I think uh, those are two guys that could be in that kind of boat. Um, where you, you don't have the pressure uh, of, of having to play a lot, given how many veterans you have ahead of them. But at the same time, you know, they're learning how to, to work out you know, within this defense. And also they're gaining a lot from being behind those older guys and understanding what it took for them to get to that level. They see that path as well. Absolutely. And again, we didn't even touch on everyone else. I mean, there's still Dorian Ford. There's still Oak and Lola. I mean, there is so much talent on this defensive line. It is kind of absurd overall. But that's just the testament to what Charlie Partridge has done here as the defensive line coach under Pat Narduzzi. So important to the Narduzzi scheme. So no surprise that they've invested so much into that position. But before we go to the, our next break, I do want to touch on those linebackers just a little bit. I've talked a lot about them on here. I figure it's going to be Simon and Kamara at the money, whichever one wins that. Mike's going to be obviously Dennis and George, and then Star is going to probably be DeShields or Wh and Wilts. Uh, do you expect to see someone else maybe crash that party, whether that's, you know, Marquand Pope, who's been coming on early? Uh, it could be an Aiden Henningham. I would expect that to be the top six. And from what I've seen thus far and what I've heard, Things have been going well for those top guys. Wilkes is not on campus yet, but of the guys they've seen, I think Pitt has looked pretty good at linebacker. Yeah, I think it's going to be those six. And I even think you have some flexibility if you want it. That you know, Brandon George has played enough for you. I believe he was up over 190 snaps last year in a backup role. Uh, that if he is starting to you know grow the way that if you're Ryan Manilak, you want to see, then maybe you can you know have him in the middle and, and flex Dennis out if you really want to. But I think Servasia Dennis is the voice and really the leader of that defense. And so him in the middle, I mean, that's such a stabilizing factor, regardless of, you know, who was flanking him at money and star. Uh, and so, um, you know, if you have, if, it, if it's Wilts and uh, Kamara, I do think Kamara right now is, it feels like he's going to be a starter. You talk to Pat Narduzzi throughout camp and, you know, every time he's mentioned Kamara, he, he follows it up and says, you know, he's grown into an every down player. And, you know, when I look at that, I'm like, okay, well, he, he's got a pretty good handle on the defense, on his role, and really what is expected of him. He's an athletic freak. And so what he is what you necessarily want uh, in that position. So I think, 
you know, Kamara is pretty good in that spot. And then to be able to have Simon, who's an experienced guy, smart guy coming over from Notre Dame, that you know, he can probably play whatever you really want him to play. Uh, you know, it'll take some time, obviously, still getting into a groove. And, and you know, this spring camp was big for him, uh, learning the system, learning the defensive system. But I think it's going to be those six guys. And I'm intrigued to see what uh, ultimately Wilts brings to the table. You know, he he's uh, if he, you know, enrolling uh, after spring camp. And so it's not like we saw him in the spring game or any of the practices or anything from Missouri State, but he was an all-conference player uh, at the FCS level, a lot of experience there. And so I think this linebacker group is in a better spot. Uh, now, obviously, than it was maybe six weeks ago. I think entering spring camp, other than quarterback, it was the biggest question mark and biggest uh, maybe you know concern or weakness of this team. I mean, Narduzzi has admitted that and, and acknowledged that even after the spring game that you, know, you say if this team has a weakness, it's that. And so uh, there's still some you know you still want to see them grow, still want to move up the ladder and uh, and improve. But I think this group is in a better spot now than it was you know a month, month and a half ago. Would agree with that. Looking much better on the linebacker front. It's probably the biggest question on the team overall, aside from the quarterback position. All right, folks. Now I do want to touch a little bit on the secondary, specifically the cornerback room and some other things here about the overall team. But first, let me let you guys know about BetOnline because BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. I'm not, not going to really touch on safeties. I feel like that's pretty set. Uh, you see, but corner has, again, one of those big voids that we've talked about. Losing Damari Mathis, who, by the way, has just killed the NFL draft process and seems to be rocketing upwards. But it's going to be Marquez Williams, MJ Devonshire, AJ Woods, and then who? It's kind of kind of going to be, is it Rashad Battle? Is it Noah Biglow? Is it Tamarian Crumpley? Is it someone else? That's the question. Who's the fourth corner? And, and I guess, who do you think out of Devonshire and Woods right now is situated to be the starter across from Marquez Williams? You know, again, I think they flipped those guys out. I think back in, you know, 2019, uh, you know, when you had uh, Pinnock and uh, Mathis and, uh, and you, uh, you, you, had, you had enough of uh, an understanding there where you could flip in three guys, four guys and rotate them enough. And, uh, and so Mathis will be a big loss. You know, you look back in 2019, the year that he had, I mean, one of the best completion, you know, completion rate allowed, uh, you know, percentages uh, in that season. And then against the run, he was one of the best corners in the country uh, last year after, you know, that season ending injury ahead of the 2020 season. And so he's going to make some NFL team very happy. You know, when you have a, a vert like John Morant does that, you know, you, you'll be, you'll do all right for yourself at the next level. Uh, so yeah, they'll have to replace him. But I, I like the way that AJ Woods grew throughout the season. You know, look, he had a rough Tennessee game. He had a rough early start to the season, I think. Uh, but you look at the way he played in the ACC championship game. I think he played pretty well. Uh, MJ Devonshire is another guy who grew as the season went on. And so I think that's what you'd like to see uh, from those guys, as well as Marquez Williams, who I think has stepped up as a leader uh, in that corner room in the absence of Tamari Mathis. Uh, he's a very vocal guy, a guy that Archie Collins uh, relies on uh, to set an example for that room. And so uh, I think those three, I, I really think you can consider all of them starters uh, at this point. You know, again, you know, hopefully for their sake, they stay healthy throughout 
uh, camp, uh, unlike you know, Mathis wasn't able to do that ahead of the 2020 season. Um, I think you're, you're comfortable enough with those three guys rolling into the fall. Uh, that, you know, the fourth guy, though, I mean, is it Rashad Battle moving back from safety? Uh, I think that's a, a one to keep an eye on. Uh, and his role, even as the Delta spot, you know, when they go five DBs for him to get on the field, I think uh, he's really a guy to keep an eye on. And then Ryland Gandy is a guy that was on everyone's, you know, minds and lips you know, in terms of the coaching staff uh, throughout this spring camp. Uh, I remember we talked to Archie Collins and I asked him about Gandy because Narduzzi had talked about him enough, uh, the early enrollee from Georgia. And Archie was like kind of hesitant to really give him props and give him credit. He's like, yeah, I don't want basically, you know, for the kid's head to get too big. But, uh, you know, Archie Collins said that it felt like Ryland Gandy had been within the program for a year already, given uh, the kind of work that he was, uh, you know, showing in camp and how he was performing. And so I think that's another guy, you know, you, again, you don't want to put too much pressure, especially on a true freshman uh, corner uh, to have to come in and perform. And I don't think they have to do that, but he's another guy that yeah, I think you keep an eye on. And so I think the depth at, you know, in the secondary, it hurts losing Mathis, but I think when you're secure at safety, I think that really helps the corners. And uh, there's that understanding at the back end with Brandon Hill and Eric Hallett that they had to work on coming in to last spring. They have that already leaving it. Yeah, and that's going to be a big thing. Cohesiveness on the back end is pretty much there for the most part, aside from Damari Mathis. Now, let me look at the overall team right now. So they have a pretty – I mean, the schedule's not that hard, right? And I think I think right now Pitt has a 16% chance to win the ACC. When you look down the schedule, which is, you know, the big opponents that they have, what to you, I guess, sticks out as the biggest obstacle for this team right now? That could be internally. That could be one of the teams – what do you think Pitt's biggest obstacle is going to be right now to winning the ACC and repeating as the champs? You know, I, I think the ACC might have set it up this way, that the division, uh, the Coastal Division, could be decided on the last game. But I do think Miami is that biggest hurdle uh, in the Coastal. You know, again, a, a, lot, a lot of coaches coming in here to the Coastal and this division, four new coaches, all trying to come in and establish an identity, establish a culture. Pat Narduzzi and the Panthers already have that, which, you know, that's good that they have that going for them. But Tyler Van Dyke is really good. He's a really good quarterback. And, you know, Pitt saw that firsthand last year. Uh, as a freshman, he came to Heinz Field and won them that game. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a tough out for them again. Uh, but, you again, also you look at the start of the season and, you know, West Virginia, you know, they haven't been great under Neil Brown through three seasons, but that's still a rivalry game. And so that game will be juiced up on a Thursday night. And then you got a good – I think a good Tennessee game. I mean, that, that win over Tennessee – looked better and better as the season went on last year. And I think they bring back uh, a good bit from that team as well. Josh Heupel in his second season. And so I think that's a, that's a difficult stretch to open up. Obviously I think a lot of people will overlook, maybe not overlook, but from just a team success standpoint, what West Virginia is, but that's a rivalry game. And so uh, you can expect a tight one. And so I think those two to kick off the season and then to end it against Miami, I think you're just going to be bookended by games that could really define what this season will be for Pitt. Uh, but I do like their standing in the Coastal. I do like their standing within the conference as a whole. And I think that experience, especially early on uh, those two Power 5 tests right off the bat, I think their experience will serve them well. And then as they you know, progress throughout the season, if they're playing well and feeling well you know, and doing well and, and have a chance to either uh, clinch the Coastal at Miami, maybe they already have a clinch by then. Uh, but I think that's, that'll be a big game and a big test. And uh, not just this season with Cristobal at Miami, but really moving forward. Uh, you look at an opportunity for maybe Pitt to, to you know, dig their claws in a little bit more on the coastal and have more of a control 
after winning two of the last three division titles, I think Miami is that big roadblock for them now and in the future. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think this is one that could at least has to me, obviously the West Virginia series is on, but this could grow into a real rivalry. Like Miami versus Pitt could end up being a thing if everything works out as we think. But again, I think Miami's going to be a big one. I think that Tennessee game right now, I'm just looking at it, the whole schedule. I think that's their toughest game on the schedule. Uh, Hendon Hooker looks very good and they have legit talent coming in. This could, I mean, this could be a top 25 ranked Tennessee game. We could have a top 25 matchup at Heinz Field week two. We'll see how high people end up being on the balls, but I think this one's going to be a really fun matchup. Well, Johnny, thanks for coming on. Tell them where they can find your stuff, read all your stuff, do all that good stuff. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, follow me on Twitter, McGonagall 9 uh, and check out the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's website. We also have a podcast, me and Craig Meyer, uh, off script. And so have a lot of fun on that and uh, plenty of content on the website. Make sure to check out all that stuff. Johnny does great work here on the pit beat one of the best pit beat writers out there one of the best writers period out there so make sure to go check that out folks as always we will be back here tomorrow talking kenny pickett with ian cummings from pro football network it's all folks for today thanks for listening and as always hail to pit